0: Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve.
1: Uh, uh, turning it over to you for your questions about whatever you may have for people who've been around this program for a while. And, uh, and uh, answer whatever questions you can. If you want to direct a question at one person in particular... Or if you just want to throw it out to the group to answer, that's fine. You just uh, state your name, state your question, pick your victim, or throw it to the group. Is that good? Okay, here we go. Uh, my name is Farley. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. June 18th, 98. Uh, day for which I'm never sufficiently grateful. Um, I just give you a, a, a quick statement about my long-term sobriety. Um, it, I, I hit a number of plateaus in my sobriety where I felt like I was either running in place or drifting <laughs> downhill, and I found a number of things that would keep me going. One is uh, the, is is working with sponsees. Um, they're always reinvigorating of your program, causing you to to examine are causing me to examine my my program and, and where I'm at and what I need to do to continue to move ahead. Um, I I run step studies. Um, don't necessarily run them. I actually act as a resource for step studies so that uh, I can pass on and help people work through uh, the steps. The other thing I found is getting into service work. It's, it's one of the things I do now because as... As I move along in in my sobriety, the need to give back to the fellowship becomes paramount. The uh, need to to do more for this fellowship wherever I can becomes paramount. And so for me, uh, for the last four years, I've been an alternate delegate for the Northwest region. And the last two years, I've been a delegate for the Northwest region. And uh, that has given me an amazing gift, an amazing amount of growth, to work with people who also have the same need to, to uh, be a part of at a deeper level. Um, and not wanting to take up too much time with my own voice, which I love to hear so much, I'll pass it over to the next guy to tell you about it, himself.
2: Thanks, man. Hey, everybody. I'm Terry. I'm a lust addict and a sexaholic. Uh, clean and sober since March of 1986. Um, several things. What I I did one of these, uh, I guess, about a year and a half ago, and it was more on like what's the difference in sobriety now or working my program now than from when earlier days. And I just wanted to uh, so that helped me look at how I work my program today versus before and I'd like to just talk about a few of those those things um, one is um, what I call vigilance comes a lot easier now first five years of my program I mean I had to be vigilant to making sure that uh, you know I wasn't lusting I wasn't fantasizing or whatever um, and um, if i was I needed to surrender that and it's become a lot easier for me. First of all, most of the time, it doesn't happen as much, but I will tell you my head still turns at a stop sign all right, when I'm in my car. Um, it's just easier now, faster for me to realize I'm doing that and get it back looking where it's supposed to be. And, and one, one of the things I used to do is, like, if I was someplace... Where I had to be, and I knew there's going to be triggers, or like at, at the mall or something like that, um, I would say the third step prayer when I was trying to surrender. Well, I have found myself nowadays, I'm, I find myself saying the third step prayer and then realizing, oh yeah, <laughs> uh, my head now knows to say that prayer even before parts of me realize that uh, I'm thinking or looking where I shouldn't be. Um, another thing I recognized is that in the 12 steps there's a lot of modifiers Um, as an example exact nature, not the nature of or entirely ready, not just ready or all persons we had harmed or promptly admitted and such Um, and what I have seen is that each time I've gone through and go through the steps again, or as I'm just kind of living them in my life, I start looking at those modifiers and saying, okay, you know, um, am I humbly asking God? Uh, am I really willing to have him do all the defects of character? And uh, am am I doing this in all my affairs, and um, I like that. That just means I'm kind of honing—I don't know if you call it the skills or what—honing my tools to make sure that uh, you know those. None of those words are in there by accident. But when we first come in, there's there's no way to there's just no way to do them. You know, I mean, even as it says in how it works, you know, we're not going to ever be perfect about this, but. If I can now see these things, and and work hone my skills on that, it it's helped me, and, and that brings me to a th- a third thing that um, as I've been g- going in the program, you you hear either an- peeling another layer off the onion or the path narrows or what. It used to be, um, oh no, you know I I get I get these. Uh, well, in program, in most life, people get um, enlightenments and and such. I think in program we get a well, duh. I mean, it took me took me long enough to see that, didn't it? And um, I learned these things about myself, like uh, I don't know, twenty, fifteen, eighteen years ago. Um, everybody was talking about codependence, and it was like, well, phew, that's one of the things. I don't have, and, you know, come to see that that's everything I have, uh, and so that's another thing to work on, and then you see, well, you know, oh, God, I got fears about everything. Now, I don't know if fears are above or below the codependence or whatever, but as I'm moving along, I'm seeing that there's something else I need, that seems to lie below things and something else. And, insta- and I no longer say, oh, no, something more I've got to work on. It's, oh, wow, I get to work on this. Because what I found is as scary as these things were before to work on, I was always a better person afterwards, after going through whatever it took. So now I don't call it that the path narrows. I call it that the path gets more clear. And I can, and I see, you know, that where I need to go, and um, that's a that's a blessing to me. Um, let's see, and um, oh, and one of the things that helps me to is working with sponsors, uh, f- fifth steps, and such. Uh, some of you have heard my definition of a sponsor. Uh, sponsors someone who's got a lot of experience, strength, and hope in the program, and wisdom, and uh, gives the sponsee advice, and then if that works, they try it. And,
1: <laughs>
2: and uh, I, I tell my sponsees sometimes that's what's happening. You try this, and let me know how it's working, and I'll work it. Uh, but uh, I have learned a lot from that. And um, the last thing is, um, and it's most, and, and it's the thing I've been, I won't go into it deeply today, but I have seen that I, I have to work these things in all, uh, all my affairs now. And I have to, sobriety isn't, you know, sobriety is, is a must, but it's not enough, And we talk about emotional sobriety and whatever. And, you know, I can do things now where I've got a hangover afterwards. And it wasn't from acting out. It wasn't from drugs or alcohol. And I know now that there's other areas in my life I need to work on. And it's just easier and... um, and I guess I gotta use the word more exciting to be able to do that these days. Thanks.
3: Thanks, sir. Thanks sir. Um, my name is John Paul, and I'm a great folk and sexaholic. Thanks, uh, my sobriety date is uh, September 24th of 89. Uh, I didn't get into the program on, uh, only, uh, only on Halloween evening. And that's when I dropped my mask. All my life I had a mask, a shame mask. So uh, when I walked into the program, there was a bunch of men, about five or six of them there, big fellows, But there was no sobriety. Mm-hmm. i just, uh, with some sobriety. It was a good thing. But what got me going there, I had been working on recovery for about a... Uh, Oh, 10 years Before that, because the, the wife had left, and I had an emotional breakdowns. So I had to went to went to Winnipeg and the recovery homes, and I stayed there for ten years. I had fantastic help and some good formation, Information formation from priests, from nuns, from psychiatrists. The whole thing. It was very good. The only thing that didn't help me there was my addiction. I had all this knowledge. All these courses, tickets that thick and everything else like that. But that's all I had, you know. I have diaries and away on and on. What I walked in in the group and I heard the big fellow there keep, which I made my sponsor. We became co-sponsors for ten years after that. It was on page one forty-six. We read in the 12th step, and it said, "Healing for us is incomplete without the." Pri- positive sobriety of a healed relationship with others, well, often we see that our relational poverty and malfunctions began in childhood in the dysfunctional environment. My addiction is trying to keep that ground down, that early stages of my dysfunctional environment as a child. And the word "addiction" for me, just a little bit. I talk French and I read French and English, and as I always compare the two languages to become, I'm sure, accurate. The addition means something; something has been added, like glue. And diction means it dictates, like Hitler. So, added something to cope that dictates me. Very interesting. When you put the plow in the ground for me, I had lost eight kids and a wife. And uh, the pain has been gone out yet. In 1978, it's a long time ago. I'm 82 years old today, and I still feel I'm in good shape and everything else like that. But these uh, stripping or shredded experiences which are heart-tearing, it's like putting your heart to the shredder. It takes a little while to heal. For me. Anyway, so I'm giving myself time. That's my story. Uh, the next thing... That I'm going to bring you a bottle a little bit. When I heard that, and that, that thing that I had, did lots of recovery for, for, for child work, inner child work. Lots. <laughs> That's fine. But as long as I would masturbate, I could. I, I was a con with sex, you know. Come with the trapper. was very good with women. I was very good with my mom. So I could be extremely good with any woman and treat her and pat her on the back without even thinking of making sex. I would just soft-soap myself and certain uh, good seduction talk and charming and everything else like that. Just so, later on, hoping I would get connected. And Roy here has a little phrase in here, it's called, connect with me to make me whole. I wanted to connect with somebody to become complete. I felt incomplete, anyway. Uh, I don't want to go too long here, just a couple of minutes when I come in twelve step program a word hit me here the word that in, in step four it's it's a key word in step four and i, I like the the little book i don't, i can 't read too long too far i 've got the patience I forget what I started to read this is I like it short <laughs> and the twelve the twelve by twelve is very right at the point like you know my broken short and fast i don 't got no time to drag around. I went in there and I heard the word instincts gone astray. And I had taken enough formation and stuff like that to know what does the instinct mean? What is that an in instinct? Was, I was taught as a good Catholic that instincts were the animal in me. Well, my animal happens to be a sex drive. The second most instinct in me, the, strong, the strongest one, is survival. That's why I eat a lot and I have five and five. <laughs> But the, but the strongest is recreating. Next one is we get, recreate. It's an instinct. And I look at instinct, I look at computer, and it says, you can't find a definition to instinct. Nobody can write it. Psychology, looked in that. I did some study. An instinct takes something. It, it goes by itself, and it has a reflex of its own. It has a mind of its own. And I cannot reason an instinct. I'm gonna fall down, I'm gonna say I'm gonna fall down to the instinct. I fall down. I got hit in the bicycle a while back by the car. Well, every time I see a bike now, my instincts have been traumatized. Let's look at the word trauma. So I got traumatized, I get in a bike, what puckers up is my instincts. My brain says it's not, but my brains can't lie to the instinct. I could go on and on and talk about all that stuff, but anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna just cut it short. Give somebody else the chance to talk here. Uh, that was my my own thing. Something in me happened in early childhood. I had a very I could tell you the whole story. And my mom tried to abort me. And we said, "Go, let's celebrate there." I'm trying to survive with that, and I, I had that all my life. And when the addiction took over, when I was seven years old. My oldest sister, my oldest cousin, she was older, she was having the course already with a 13-year-old boy. She introduced me to sticks. And you know, it, it, it gave me a connection, it burned like I had a brand in my head. Then when that happened, after that, nothing mattered. There was no such thing as consequences. I just want to get in there. I couldn't reason a religion, tried uh, everything. It didn't work. I was always looking for sex, instinctively. <laughs> That's reason. It's quite something. Uh, I get nervous when I get to talk about this. So anyway, uh, I'm going to get a chance. Anyway, but and the reason I'm saying this here, I used to go to A at one time too. The most mentioned word in step four is sex. And AA, I went to a they did not talk about I didn't well I didn't talk about sex there anyway I was looking for some in there and I was you know the most and the most the most strongest word is sex no the not the second one the first the biggest most word mentioned step forward the twelve by twelve with the head woman from the, the AA to men a to of get that on of the book she said at home okay I read it mentions seventeen times instincts. In step and in, in, in 17 times in step four the second one is is sex alcohol is eight times after that so the the, the, the key to drinking or to anything else is a, is a in sync on the string so I sure found out in a hurry anyway so uh, before i want to go go back a little bit here and give <laughs> There's another thing that bugs me. That I'm going to bring it out here. Just a second here. I know Roy, you know. I knew Roy very well. And he used to phone me all the time for stuff like that. Here it says, in the solution, in the solution, we're in the solution. The second paragraph, it says, for some, you know, the crucial change in attitude began with admitted that we're powerless, that our avith had thus whipped, okay, we came to meetings and withdrew from our habit. That's exactly what I did. And for some, this is the trick, this meant no meant no sex with themselves or others, including not getting into relationships. That's the some bunch. I'm in that some. I'm not married. I have to bring that up because that's what I'm finding in our group at home trouble. For others... It also meant drying out but not having sex with the spouse for a time to recover from less well I could, if I go home at night I, I there's nobody there so I don't I do not have uh, a wife or somebody else to consent or to trigger me off not then I just look at my imagination so it, it makes me a bit different I thought I'd bring that up for my own self here anyway uh, Next little thing I want to tell is going to be it. I didn't think I was a sex addict. I walked on the street, and the kid that had been with me for for uh, for uh, 10 years in recovery work, he was there, met me on the street. He says, hi, John Paul, how are you? I said, pretty good. Where are you going? He said, I said, I'm going home. He says, why don't you come with me? He said, where to? He said, I'm going to the SA program. I said, what's that? He says, for a sex addict. Oh, I said, that I haven't got that problem. You know what He said, That's what you think. Everybody else knows differently. I took him to my car tonight. That's when I went to ASA. I'll stop there. Thanks. Okay, at this
1: time, um, if uh, anybody has anything they'd like to ask anybody on the panel, just stand up and ask it, and uh, if you indicate someone you want to try and answer it, please do, and that person will State your question into the mic so it's recorded, just in case it's not heard by this mic now, because this is being taped. Uh, Not that that should matter to anyone. So, but at any rate, uh, who wants to start us off? What's the first question for anyone on the panel? Just put up your hand, and there we go. Eric.
0: How do you get from two years to ten?
1: (laughs) Who are you asking? I'm sorry? Who are you asking? Anybody. I'll start. <laughs> I'm, I'm the most recent one the 10 years. Uh, Eric asked, how do you get from two years to 10 years? Uh, my answer to that would be, um, you remember the pain. Uh, you remember... Uh, what brought you in, you work on the things that are still crazy in your life. you um, you recognize the fact that every day is a gift, every day sober is a gift. Um, i also I also have to remember that uh, with the fellowship comes the opportunity, to experience recovery through everybody else in the room. And remember that that grace that I didn't have when I walked into that room to that meeting is given to me by the shares and the, and the, and the pain and the uh, struggles and leading with the weakness and the recognition of that in me by everybody else in the room. So continuing to go to meetings, the one way you don't get to 10 years is you stop going to meetings. Um, you have meetings outside of the meetings Um, you uh, for me it's been working in step studies and continuing to work with others in step studies so I think working with others Mm -hmm. is, is one of the big ones the other one is stop counting it's just one day at a time I don't know if anybody else wants to add to that
2: I'm I'm Terry. Um the meeting I was at earlier was on the spirituality and um they talked the the first reading quote was what I call the 10th step promises which are just about as nice as the 9th the step promises, but at the end it kind of says we can't rest on our laurels that what we have is a you know a daily reprieve based on the maintenance of our spiritual condition. So uh, for me, those years were working on my spiritual condition, um, not just – it was no longer a negative sobriety of not acting out, not doing this. It was now more a positive, I get to do this, I get to help others, I get to um, uh, be of service, and – and looking more at it as, as a positive way. And, and I do have to say, in, in Greensboro, I'm not sure why, people get to about five, six, seven years, and they leave the program. Uh, they, they have, okay, I've got what I need, you know. They may or may not, but I think f- from years two to ten is, is we really, that's when we really have a responsibility We've got. We understand it now. We are the ones who need to really do the service and and work with the younger ones coming in. Um, I don't. I sponsor a lot of a lot of folks, but only one of the people I sponsor is is new. I. It's been too long for me since I've been there where they are. And I don't think that they can relate to me as well as they could relate to someone who's got two, three, or four years of sobriety. So I think that we have a responsibility there in those years to help others, and
3: helping others will always keep us sober.
1: Anything to add, John
0: Paul?
3: My name is John Paul. I'm a sexaholic. The question is... How can you last from two years to ten years, or what was the question again? How to get there there from two years to ten years? Okay. One of the things that I find weak, I found weak in our group, is the uh, intensity or the volume or the validation are trying to put quite a bit of accent on the celebration. To get the 30-day chip, there should be a big celebration. 60-day chip, a year cake, should be celebration. Big celebration. We celebrate Christmas, birthdays, and everything else. Once you, a person gets some sobriety, that should be make a big guru, guru and a grogo. So you get validated. If I don't and I fall back on my secrets, I go back exactly what I did when I was a little boy, Start to touch myself, and it doesn't take very long. I slip. That's my physical experience. Thanks, John. I'm
1: Ben. I'm a sexaholic.
3: Uh, I had a question about, uh,
1: you know, trying to discern the difference between healthy physical attraction to to my wife and and lust, and was wondering if any of y'all have some insight in <laughs> <laughs> uh, Farley sexaholic Farley. Um, that still uh, can be a struggle um, I, I think I want to relate it to the fact that um, I, I have an affection for for a lot of women uh, that I meet Uh on a friendly basis, I I become friends with them. I, I still have a problem where um, that friendliness, that affection for them as a person, can morph into lust way too quick. And uh, they become objects for me. And that same thing can happen with my wife, who is a very dear friend of mine, is that she can go from being a dear friend, a great human being, to turn into a lost object. And probably, I don't know, I think I probably sent, set a land speed record with that one, somewhere around a millisecond. But um, to to deal with that, uh, I've, I've had to excuse myself from sexual intimacy during that time. One of the other things I've had to do with uh, women that I work with or or have contact with where that happens it's, it's something I learned from a, a tape from Jess L. Uh, it talks about uh, anytime lust is is trying to get in, uh, you know, you can pray longer than you can, you then then lust can knock at the door. Was a statement. And so what I did is I I started to just pray whenever that happened, try and pray this lust object back to human. Early in my sobriety, it took a long time, but. Um, i i used to do tai chi i don't know if any, any of you know what that was and i i actually taught it for a while and i had this young gal in my class who uh when you're doing a, a, a tai chi set, it takes about half an hour you just all got all these slow movements right and and she uh um, and i just caught my eye right away when i first turned around and she's a lovely young girl i i just absolutely loved her and I turned her into an object, right? You know, I saw something that I just, just triggered me and I turned her into an object. And here I am, you know, trying to, trying to zen out in this Tai Chi. And, and all I'm doing is, is wrapped around lust. And so what, what the hell am I going to do? Well, what have I been taught? I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for every, you know, all the things that she needed, all the happiness that she needed in the world and to recognize that I wasn't it that was going to give her that happiness. And I continued to pray and pray for her. And, and a very interesting thing happened, and I bring this specific incident up because this took a long time. Like this was like 12, 15 minutes it was going on. And then all of a sudden there was a physical shift in, in my vision, and she became a person again. And it shocked me that I could turn a less object human again. So I've practiced that and where I can pray a person human again. And it takes practice. It, it, for me, it really did. Because I, how do you turn an object into a human being again? But I, I've practiced that continually when that comes up with my wife or anyone else, is I pray for them until they become a human being in my, in my eyes again. Where they're not an object, they're a human being, and I feel their humanness again. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, it's, it's a practice I have to maintain. Thanks.
2: Everybody, I'm Terry. Um, this is a quandary I faced in in my marriage early on, and um, I love my wife, and it's proper if you know if, if I'm doing something in a loving way. Um, like Jean Paul said, uh, we have instincts also, you know, and part of our instincts are lustful. And so, okay, what's going on here? Am I is am I true? Do I truly doing this because I love my wife and I want to be with her and show her this, or am I doing it because I need to satisfy these instincts gone awry? Um, and um, I was driving myself crazy because you know that was in my head <laughs> uh, when when I was uh, with my wife sometimes, and and so I wasn't really there. Um, a couple of things I can think of. One was, um, one of the benefits for periods of abstinence for me was knowing I could do loving things for my wife, give her a back rub or, or whatever. And knowing that I didn't, since we were in a period of abstinence, knowing there were no ulterior motives and, and then, um, Feeling, okay, and then recognizing what that feeling was like when I'm doing something when there's no ulterior motives. So that now, okay, abstinence is over. I can kind of recognize the feeling that I'm doing this for, not for ulterior motives, but to just to, cause it's a, a good, nice thing to be doing with my wife. And, and stopped you know, obsessing over that in my head. And once in a while I, I learned and I learned this, okay, you'll hear me say this wherever I talk from now on or anything, but did I feel clean afterwards? Okay. And and okay, if I felt clean about what this was about, then yes it was done for the right motives. If I didn't feel clean afterwards, uh oh I mean, not, not that I've done this terrible thing, but uh-oh, okay, what, i got to now go look at it, and what was it about this that made me not feel clean? And, and I got better and better and better at that, so that the point where I could almost say beforehand, now, okay, yes, I'm going to feel clean afterwards, yes, this is okay, no, I'm not going to feel clean,
3: and so it's not okay. My name is John Paul. I'm a grateful and caring sexaholic. I've never got remarried. Uh, I think once you've been shot with buckshot, you watch. Uh, but I met, I had some lady friends, and one particular one I really liked, a nice Irish girl, and she was about 10, 15 years, 20 years younger than I was, and and I was in good physical shape because I go to the gym, blah, blah. Uh, I I started, I courted her from 1970, uh, when I was 70, till two years ago, and I courted her quite intimately, very intimately, but I stayed in this program. It was fine for me to stay in the program, stay sober, but how deep? As my sobriety, and how strong was it? Talking about it, praying about it, grouping about it, working the program was fine, but about living it with the girl that you liked, I liked. And I found out very soon. I told her about the sexual sobriety and anything like that. And she couldn't get over it. She thought, you know, that I was, a, I was quite a man. So she didn't want to call me a saint. I said, I'm not a saint. I I'm just a horny old man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway... Sometimes I get short in my English, I short in French, like that way. <laughs> so uh, I liked her a lot. And everybody at the beginning thought to myself, oh, you're going to slip. And I had four or five years write in those days. I forget one, but anyway. But, that quarter, but I had taken those courses before. Before, How to handle that, what you're talking That's a good question, that one. Uh, I learned through the program that once... When I talk to her, I'm close to her, and lust wants to come in. Lust is nothing more than a red light in a car on the dashboard say, check your motor. I hope you never forget that. If you have a lust attack, what's wrong with my motor? I'm hungry, lonely, tired, angry, whatever there is. Anything physical. There's something wrong. I've tired myself, so when I do that, I'm looking for the first quick solution and answer to reward the compensation, as I call it. It's an addiction. The instinct takes over, eh? It wants to have sex right away. It has no patience. So how I do, that? I did that with her. As Rosemary says, we're gonna, I'm going to train you. So we took some courses in psychology together. It was very nice. I got quite close to that lady. She didn't want to marry me, though I was too old. I still okay. (laughs) But I, I stayed with her, not in the same house, but I used to come to my house and we used to hug and everything. I had learned in recovery work that the sex drive can be diminished if you hold together with clothes on for an hour to an hour and a quarter. It will go away. Guarantee. It did for me. I stayed sober. It works if you hold the hold the person. It's the body that has a need, something's going on in your body, a need that's it's calling the unconscious, whatever you want to call it, that has a craving to be situated or quenched. So that's what I learned. And it worked with me. Anyway, uh I think I'll stop there. Just wanna
1: add one thing to that, and I heard this um uh, from a, from a fellow from Portland early on uh he was uh he was a long-term sobriety guy. I met him at my first retreat. Vaughn and I were there and uh I think his name was was Harry or Hugh. Harry. One one of those two guys. I forget which one it was. But uh, he said that uh he went for massages and uh it was part of his uh treatment modality because of his lack of touch as a child. And um uh, I go for a massage every two weeks, and uh, she's not giving me a light little relaxation massage. She uses elbows and fists, and she digs in around muscles, and, and it's painful. But there, there's something about that kind of non-sexual touch that I I, I require, uh, and, and it is something that helps. I just wanted to add that.
2: Not quite sure how to pose this as a question, but in Chicago we talk a lot about surrendering looks and glances. And can you guys talk a little bit about uh, what that looks like in your program? You know, how much is too much? You know, somebody crossing my vision is one thing, but if my head's on a swivel, you know, how do you handle those? And uh, I, I don't know quite how if I'm asking that. You know, how do you handle the looks and glances? I guess.
1: Uh. Farley Sexaholic, my answer is going to be really, really short. Um, the best version of it I heard was at the Chicago convention last year where uh, I don't remember if I was chairing or not, but this uh, this fella was sharing, and uh, he said he, he was uh, like sober three months or four months or something, I can't remember, and he was walking with Harvey A., uh, through the hallways, and they're walking and they 're talking and this woman came around the corner, just Liz walked around the corner, and Harvey asked him, "Have you surrendered her yet and he <laughs> 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 he wasn 't even sure he saw her yet, <laughs> so that 's what you do hey everybody, Terry, lost haddock
2: um, as i as um, i 've stated before it 's an instinct in me. To look. I have ADD, which I'm not going to blame, but also anything that moves, my head just kinda of goes to it. Um, and, I, and I may find myself, as I say, I, I find myself looking at something. I don't remember I don't remember consciously saying doing that. For me the victory is not in not looking. The victory is that I have to immediately at that point, surrender it. You know, some programs have a three-second rule or a ten-second rule. I have a three-one-thousandth of a second rule, <laughs> okay? That's that's what I give myself. If it's anything more than that, I'm lusting and there's no doubt. But if I can say, oh, this is happening, then um, then I'm okay. Sometimes I almost literally, you know, whoops, should have had a V8. I did, I slap myself and say, come on, Terry. Um, again, it's not when I, I don't do that. I don't ever just straight look anymore. Um, and there are times like I was, uh, at a vacation retreat a week and a half ago or so, and I just simply had to take off my glasses there, you know? Um, you know, it's a two-edged sword there wearing the glasses. Um, you can, take them off, but uh, as I said to somebody else, I think the reason so many of us uh, in SA wear glasses is that our mothers were right. (laughs) 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 Um, But um, so, yeah, and I don't get down, I do not get down on myself for that. I, I would get down on myself if I said, well, let me just make sure it's something I shouldn't look
3: at or something like that. My name is John Paul. I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic. A very, very good question. Uh, the looks. I've read many of looks in uh, a long time. They said the. Uh, the first one's at God, the next one's is yours, you know, so don't take a second look if it, if it turns you up. But uh, one of the things that I studied in the bit in religion and stuff like that and stuff like that is that uh, our eyes are very fast. Uh, they, it's called a titillation of the eye. The eye is very quick. Something a fly it'll see, I see a fly, it, it it picks everything. It's a titillation. So I have to discipline the eyes. Some anyway. So when I got the sponsee and he wants to really quit, the first thing I asked him, is, said, have you got the TV set? Well, uh, mm, a, e, oh. mm. well, I said, if you have a TV set, I want people to help you. you. can't sponsor you. you got to learn to discipline the eye. Are you serious? I said, you know, first of all, we get down to the meat, you know. Oh, yeah, my wife, this, blah, blah. okay, I said, get this. I said, okay, I haven't got the TV set. I bought a computer lately, and I have to watch it. It's, it's uh, I bought it for the information, because I'm not I'm not educated. I want to learn something, Wikipedia and all those places. You know, I want to get ahead a bit up there. Anyway, uh, uh, some people can watch TV. I know lots of people. My kids got TV and all kind of hockey and the whole thing. But I can't. To make a story short, uh, after that I'll jump and i quit. My wife left me over the TV set. The TV was going all day long at home. I had seven kids laying there and there was all kinds of stuff on that CBC was trying to put some kind of colored porno thing, stuff like that. So I said to her, I said, you got to shut that damn thing off for sure. I said, because the kids are too little. I said, they're just seven years old. They can't look at that stuff, you know. <laughs> well, they got to learn sooner or later. <laughs> I went downstairs after I lost my temper. I grabbed a 10-pound sledgehammer hammer, and I went up there and smashed it to pieces. So they, they called me a GP, the TV repairman. <laughs> <laughs> so I went off and I went to see uh, Robert Bly in Seattle here. Somewhere, about the men's group and he says I would like to shade that man in the hand of a man who smashed up a TV if there is one in the world I said well I got up and got there and shook him his hand he, he can't believe it I said I did it's probably wrong I'm not agreeing I don't see those thing. but till this day my sons and everything are very vigilant with their TV program with their children it's a wrong message I'm like okay I'll do to my story now I started to have cataracts, you know. I couldn't see so good because I prayed to the Lord to heal me from less addiction, so he sent sent some cataracts.
0: <laughs>
3: so so I decided to go and see the the specialist and he happens to be an English sarcastic guy and he's very short. I didn't like that guy too well. But he said he says, Why do you he says, why do you want to get get cataracts for anyway? I said, "Well, I told him the story." He says, uh, "I prayed to the Lord to relieve me from lust," and he says, "And he gave me cataracts." He says, "You must be out of your head. <laughs> 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 you want to miss the?" He said, "You want to miss the pleasures of life?" Oh well, they're not pleasures for me; they're trouble. But anyway, I got my cataracts removed now, and uh, and lust wants to come in a bit. But then I walk on the floor, and I look at the tile and the cement. I'm going to pass. <laughs> Thanks, Jean-Paul. Thanks Jean-Paul.
1: What, uh, could you share with us what you do on a daily basis for your recovery? What every day? What's your program? What do you do? I get to start again, um, Farley sexaholic. Um, what do I do every day? Um, I have CDs in my vehicle for my twenty-five minute drive to work. Um, when I uh, let's start when I get up. When I first get up. Uh I have my first meeting of the day at six thirty AM. So, you know, for some people they don't even think about getting up by that time. But for me, I get up about five o'clock. I sit quietly. Uh sometimes I, I review the day before at that time. i I've, I find it just kinda helps me wake up and focus on the fact that uh I have I have to get right. Uh for some people I know Before they even get out of bed, you know, they're on their knees and and asking for help. For me, uh, my wife's a pretty light sleeper, so I sneak out of bed, and I go downstairs. I sit on the couch, get a little quiet time, get a little straight, get a little straight with God, ask for some help that day, and uh, get about looking at uh, some of the um, reports I have to look at before I end up at work, and grab a quick... Whatever out of the fridge, get in my vehicle and go. So, un- unfortunately, I kind of have a quick start to the day. Uh, once once I get to work, everything just kind of starts happening. But for me, it's a matter of how do I stay in recovery during that busy day. Uh, one of one of the most important things for me is this little BlackBerry here. I have a number of sponsees who um, who know that you know they're probably not going to get me if they just make a call so the amount of texting that goes on with this thing is is amazing from sponsees i a number of us have blackberries and if if i get a message it comes in red i have a number guys pin number which means that when the message comes in from another blackberry it comes in red i have a dropbox where we I, i don't know if i want this recorded or not because the copyright police will come after me but there's a lot of essay literature that I have in that Dropbox that I can access at any time, pull out, read, all that essay literature. It's with me all the time. It's always available to me. Uh, so if anything comes up where I'm feeling a little disturbed, I need to read anything, I've got all of the uh, conference-approved literature on there. Um, I do at least two meetings a week uh one meeting another fellowship. I uh, I have the gift of many sponsees who who bother me quite often. Um uh, I uh I have a sponsor who who uh has many years in the program and uh, and gives me good direction which I follow. I I have taken to doing a couple other things. One is reviewing my sobriety contract uh, on a weekly basis to make sure that I am complying and seeing if there's anything I have to need or change. Um, I'm involved with two step studies now, uh, one of my own, and, well, there's actually two going on, so I guess it's three. Uh, in, in keeping the steps current in my life. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me is just recognizing that the steps is an everyday thing for me and staying plugged into the steps that way. Um, and then of course, just following all the suggestions that SA has for dealing with my character defects on a daily basis, which is, is really what I have to do. That's that's the biggest part of my program these days is recognizing that my character defects drove my lust. I've identified them. I've tried to surrender them. Uh, God hasn't taken them all away. So uh, I go through the identification process of identifying which character defect is active because sometimes I can't see it, surrendering it and turning it over um, and and learning from it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think we're short on time, so I'll see what else everybody else wants to add to that.
2: Terry, sexaholic. Terry. Uh, the first thing I do, and and I learned this, um, I, I used to work out in Utah for 10 years, uh, part-time, and I heard it in a meeting there. The first thing I, I say when I get up in the morning is, God, please get into my head before I do. <laughs> and... and um, uh, being the age I am, I can't then get down on my knees. I I do, go do a few things, and then I come back and get down on my knees, and I have a s- set prayers um, that I that I say. I also do uh, two twice a day. I do gratitude lists, um, and my grat- i my gratitude lists have the majority of it is the same every day. I mean, I've got thirty or forty things that. I say that I'm grateful for, but then I also every day add um, not add but we'll put in three or four for that day, and um, and to make sure I'm not just doing things by rote, but I'm actually thinking about it. Um, I I I try, I've recently retired, thank God, and uh, that gives me more time. I try to. Meet physically at least five days a week with somebody from the program for lunch or for dinner or or something like that. I have several sponsees, and um, I have different rings on, uh, rings on my phone and uh, uh a lot of them are from TV programs and movies like I have one guy who's mission impossible uh, <laughs> I have a Twilight zone I, uh, I have the Jeopardy theme and, uh, <laughs> and and another guy now who I play the Rocky theme. You know, he's he I can't believe where he's come from, you know, and I, I like hearing the Rocky theme, knowing uh, what kind of progress he's made. Um, so I'll be doing that. One thing that's important to me is. I never knew how, before I came to the program, I never knew how to look at how I was feeling. What's going on with me? I, you know, we had this honest when it got in the program. You, you have to be honest, or you're not going to stay sober. So I got the honest to quit lying, and 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 you know the cash register honesty and such. But it says on those chips, "To thine own self be true," and and that, that comes from um, Hamlet. And, and the rest of it is, you know, in essence, if you can't be true to yourself, how can you ever be true to anybody else? So I have to look at myself, and a lot of times, what's going on with me? What honestly is going on with me? Don't, you don't have to con yourself or anything, and you don't have to judge it. Um, the reason being is that if things, if I'm pretending things are going well and they're not, my natural reaction is to escape from those things and my escape mechanism was lust and boom, there I'm gone. So I spend a, a lot, part of my day just trying to see what's going on with me. Um, I, I never used to do a 10th step. Uh, now I do every every night and the way I do my 10th step is I... Literally, it doesn't take that long, I try to remember every person who I came into contact with that day, whether it was a sponsee that I talked 45 minutes to or the cashier at at the supermarket, you know, uh, or whatever. And I say, okay, Terry, do you feel clean about what your relationship, what happened with that person? And if I don't, then I need to... To do something about it um, that's just my way uh, of doing it um, and I um, what else? that I think that's enough <laughs> and I say the prayers before I go to bed too thanks,
1: thanks.
3: thanks. thanks. my name is John Paul and I'm a grateful recovering sexaholic it's a very good subject and I didn't think I was going to talk about that subject here today, what thought about long-term sobriety. But how do I manage my life? Your question was, uh, what do I do? Every day. Every day. For 26 years now, starting November the 17th, 1985, I think, Yeah, I met a monk and he, I was in deep pain after the divorce. You know, I was walking around, I was green, I was uh, crying all the time. He said, you got to stop thinking. How do you do that? I'll show you. He said, it's very simple. I'll give you two tapes, listen to the two tapes. And it was very simple tapes. It's called meditation. And meditation has nothing to do with reflex of the intellect at all, at all. The real meditation. The meditation in the West is a is a religious Christian meditation, which is reflect, uh, discursive. I'm not going to explain it here. The real the meditation is to stop thinking and to stay concentrated on the sound. So I've been sitting down twice a day. That's the first step. The commitment is to sit down twice a day in the morning and in the evening and stop the little uh, gribble cage that we see in Iugo spinning in here. I had to do that. I was formed to spin, to go to school, to learn, to memorize, to think and spin and spin and spin the squirrel in the box. The I have to stop that. It's the only thing that has stopped me from lusting, kept me sober. All these years, my sobriety, I have credit to that 100%. I, I, I worked the steps, I did everything else with it for all those years, but the key for me, as has to be step 11, meditation. Not talking to God. i got to say that. I don't talk to God and I meditate in the morning. I just sit there with him and listen to the little sound, that, that little mantra that I have. That I'll give it to you if you want. It's called Maranatha. I listen to it for half an hour. And within a short time, you hear a little temptation come along. It can stop it as cold as that Bang. Just freeze it right there. It's called centering. And uh, it's uh, you center and it's called this it's concentration. It's it's a concentrated people to concentrate your mind as Simone Wilde said you can look at all these books and, and it sit there and it it, it it is it. That's how you stop. Right that's what I stop anyway. By that do that twice a day. So I've been sober ever since then, you know. And I get lots, and lots of attacks. I got lots, and lots of attacks. There's a society. someone on TV, so I look at the porno shot and stuff like that, it'll come up and I flash it up and I just sit down say my little word and it goes right out the door. I don't entertain no thoughts. A thought comes, I say my sound. Just listen to the sound. This is an old old one. It's been around for about seven thousand years. Anyway, ask me what that is so what my key. I go to church. I go to mass. I listen to the read scriptures and talk program. Go to a lot of meetings you know, English, and all my Russian work the steps and all that kind of stuff. I still do that. But my number one machine to put the brakes is that bang. Come in the morning here with my friend. You stay Sit with my friend. I, say, I says, "All you got to do to, in, in the morning. I sit down. Don't say nothing for twenty minutes. Let me talk. Let me silent. I stay silent." Uh, I can get carried away with that, but uh, it really works. I will guarantee anybody who wants to put the practice and sit down twice a day, is the commitment, you see. Sit down is the action for me. Once I sit down, I say to God, whoever, I don't call him God anymore, I call him mystery, because put the name on God, is my name, but that's a, that's a small thing. I call mystery. It takes over if I sit down. The more I talk to him, sometimes I think he's getting Alzheimer's or something like that. His phone is off the hook. He doesn't always listen to me anymore. <laughs> Somebody said pray to his mother or to his saint or something, but go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to stop. Thanks, John Paul.
0: Thanks,
3: John
1: Paul. And uh, uh, I can't wait till I retire and have all that time <laughs> to put all those ringtones in my phone, too. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Jean-Paul, I hope you have an extra room in your house. I'll come and learn to meditate a little bit there. Uh, sounds good. Just sit down and shut up. Yeah, it's hard to do. <laughs> At any rate, uh, our time is over for for this session. I want to thank you all for coming. I, I hope something you've heard you can use when you take it away from here. Uh, and, and I wish you well on your journey uh, for, for your recovery from this, this disease, uh, which. Uh, one of the things some of us old timers have started to look at this gift because what else what else would give you the impetus to go through the pain and accept the changes in your life that would return you to sanity? What else can cause that? I don't know. anyways, will you help me close this uh, panel with the serenity prayer. Anywhere is fine. <laughs> Moment of silence for all those sexaholics in and out of the rooms who are still suffering.
3: <laughs>
1: serenity prayer. God, God
3: grant me the serenity. To accept the things I cannot change,
1: the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You're gonna come back. It works if you work it, but work it because you're worth it, and it's very hard. Thank you so much. That was awesome. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Bring it That was
0: great stuff. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Here we go. Thanks, Terry. That was
1: great. Thanks, Mark. That was great. Thanks, <laughs> I knew I had the power. It's really helpful. The
3: parts are here right now, you guys do, you know,
2: kind of on the right.